Are your kitchen and bathroom way overdue for a remodel? Well, I got the guy for you. Call John Sellers at First Response Contracting, 484-256-7136. Both residential and commercial services, and he's licensed and insured. Call him at 484-256-7136, First Response Contracting. Hello, this is Brad Wiseman. You're listening to Real Estate and You. We are back in the studio, and I have a really cool show lined up here today, I got to tell you. And and it, it's somebody that I wanted to have in here a long time ago, and we finally got this together. And there's going to be a lot of questions that I have, and he's going to give us all kinds of answers, and I'm really excited about this. But the, st- the show is going to be about estate planning. And, you know, this comes up a lot. It's not the the most fun topic in the world, but I'll tell you what, it's something you have to know. So right here in front of me is Brian Boland from Kozlov Stout. He's also a really good friend of mine. I've known him for quite some time, right? Right, right Brian, yep. yep. You said it was 20 years. I think it is. I think it's 20 years we uh, we met at the uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation yeah. and, um, when we were doing the gala for 20 years. 20 years, yeah. And, uh, we Amazing. Logged, we logged a lot of hours in that. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. You know, it's funny. You really get to know somebody really well when you do um, charity work together or, yep. you know, that kind of stuff. And yep. and I we always had such a great time. We, we really did. did. We did. You know, we all worked well together. Uh, we all were there for the same purpose. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great time. And, and I'll tell you what, we're lucky that we were able to make that go 19 years or 20 years, whatever yep. it was. Yep. We're, we're very lucky. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's one of those things. Um, it came uh, how you and I got yeah. connected. When you're on these charity boards, and I often tell young attorneys, and yeah, you can let young realtors know too. People are watching you when you're on these boards, and how absolutely, you respond, are you? You know, when you say, "Hey, can you take care of this? Can you take care of that?" Whether they do it or they don't do it, people watch. They yeah. notice what you're doing. And um, it's a good point. You know, we had a great, we had a great group of people that uh, that worked their tails off yeah. for, for a long time, and we, we achieved some great results. Yes, we did. And we're talking about the cystic fibrosis Valentine's Gala. Mm-hmm. Just so everybody's clear, what we're talking about. So let's dig into uh, something that's not quite as flashy uh, as far as a gala, <laughs> but we're going to be talking about estate planning. And you know, my wife and I went to Brian to do our estate planning mm-hmm. for for you know with for our children, for our house, for yep. our money for afterwards. You know, if something yep. God forbid happens to us, and obviously we we, we all get to that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that, like I said, it's not fun to talk about, but it's a very responsible thing to do. Yep. And it really is fair to the people that are here afterwards. Right. Right. So let's get into what is when somebody comes in and said they want to do estate planning. What, how do you start that conversation? Well, one of the first things we do is is to tell them to kind of forget about what documents they think they need or what they want a, a will to say yeah. and things like that. The first real question is. What do you want to see happen? Yeah, if something yeah. happens to you. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see happen if something happens to your wife? What do you want to see happen? And if something happens to both of you, what you know? What do you see as the the design of what you want to happen next? Yeah, yeah. And and typically, the vast majority of estates, you're going to see people talk about. Well, if something happens to me, I want everything to go to my wife or my husband. Mm-hmm. And then the big question is, if something happens to both of us. How do we want things taken care of for our kids or whoever else is left behind? And then you talk through that process of saying, okay, what would you want to happen? How yeah. old are your kids? What are their station in life? You know, are, yeah. they, are they 35 and out and working or are they seven and, and in the home? Yeah. And so you start exploring those, those, those ideas um, with them. And then slowly you put together some sort of plan in the course of this conversation um, of where, you know, where people want to see their 
you know, their estate go and how they want to take yeah. care of their kids. You know, it's a good point. And I got to tell you, I think I said this to you before is that when we went in there, there was definitely questions that were asked that were not, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting those questions. Mm-hmm. And the one when you said, if both of us go, mm-hmm. that's a huge deal Yep. because if one of you goes, you're kind of on the same level. We know what's going on. We know how we want to raise our children. We know that we have a house now it's paid off because it's been paid because of the estate or whatever, right. you know, but when both goes, there's some serious questions, right? Serious questions. And then there's a lot of serious conversations that you need to have with the people that are left. That's right. Because they're taking on something that they didn't maybe think they were going to take on. They're taking on huge responsibility yeah. depending upon the age of the kids. Yeah. So. so, you know, and the good, the good part about Jess and I, when you had those questions and you asked them and, and you were so good at this, you know, cause you have such a calm demeanor and you make somebody feel very comfortable. You were very good at, at walking us through it. And it wasn't like stressful or anything like that. But what was really cool and that I think my wife and I are lucky that we went home after that conversation with a lot of the questions you asked and you said, Hey, get back to me. We were on the same page. Mm-hmm. My question is what happens when you're not on the same page? Sometimes that does happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't want it to go to him. I want the kids to go to uncle Bob or I want, you know, aunt Jane to get my, my half. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We mm-hmm. were very fortunate. We got home and it was very clear for two, the two of us. Here's who I want. This is who I think would be best for the kids. This is the location I think is best for kids. So you, you probably run into that. You do. You do. Well, the one the one thing is that many people think, oh, in your family, oh, Brad, you've got this figured out. It's easy. you got a right. brother or sister, whoever can act as a guardian or a trustee or whoever you need. Yeah. And the answer is there's never that perfect person yeah. because you live in a specific location at a specific house in a specific school district yeah. because that's where you chose to live. And yet you're the person you're going to want to name as a guardian lives in another school district. You mm-hmm. go, well, if I wanted to live there, I probably would have lived there, right, um, but I right. want my kids to go here. And so you have all these, these things that you have to weigh out and decide, well, you know, what's the best option. Nobody has a perfect, perfect option. Right. The other thing is, and I remember it from doing, you know, my own will when my kids were young, it's a tough place to put yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of project into that yeah. mindset of, well, if I'm not here and that's a, kind of a chilling place to be. You don't like thinking about it. And so you make the best choice you can. You get the plan put in place and you kind of walk away from it. Yeah. And, yeah. and you remember that if a will is well drafted in that regard, because you're going to say leaving things to each other and then maybe leaving things to the kids, most likely if they're young in trust. Yeah. And then you need some players. Yeah. You need a trustee, that person who will invest the money and pay the income out to the kids until they reach certain threshold ages. Maybe yeah. they're going to pay it out half when they hit 25, half when they hit 30 or 30 and 35, something like that. So you need that person who's going to oversee the investment. And that's a unique person. That's somebody yeah, who definitely. you got to have a lot of attention to detail on. Another person you need is the guardian. Who's going to be the, 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 the person or persons who the kids are going to live with. Yeah. Um, and many times we get the question of, well, I I want the, the guardian to come live in my house mm-hmm. and the kids to be there. That might work if the kids are 16, 17 and 18 Yeah, and they got a year or two to go till, till they get to college and they want to graduate from a particular high school. That makes a lot of sense. But if the kids are five, six and seven, the house, you know, mm-hmm. is a drain um, because you now have a, an a assets in a trust yeah, right. along with a house. And now you're paying X number of dollars a month to pay on a mortgage, taxes, and grass yeah. and taxes right. and a new right. roof and a water heater and all those things. And so the question is, does that, is that a good place to park that money when what you're really trying to do is get the kids as much money to get the income out to them 
Um, so those are those are things. Big you have decisions. To, they're huge decisions. Huge decisions. Kind of and what's weird is that you're 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 making predictions too. Kind right. of. You know, you're looking right. into the future and saying. Well, if something, when something happens to me or whatever, and, yep. and the kids are this age, you're making a prediction, you know, and, yep. and the reality is sometimes those predictions go into play. Right. I mean, right. we're, we're all kind of, you know, not going to be here forever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, like we were saying before we started here, I said, you know, it's not, what's funny about the whole estate planning thing is it's not we go, like I go to a bar with my wife and go, let's talk about what happens when we die. Yeah, right. You know what right. I mean? You never want to do that. You right. go there to talk about vacations yeah. and the yeah. kids and, yeah. and future, yep. you know, so it, it is an interesting conversation. So here's my thing. If I pass mm-hmm. and I don't have this stuff set up, what happens? Well, that, that's where it gets interesting. So what happens is if you don't have a will, um, then we looked under the intestacy provisions of the probate code. And the probate code says, and we look down through a long list, it's sort of a little bit of a puzzle. If there's a surviving spouse, how much does a surviving spouse get? They don't get it all. Right. They might get it all if they don't have kids. Right. If they have kids, though, then they're going to get a certain percentage and another percentage goes to the kids. Right. And that is a big hamstring because if something happened to you, for example, and Jess was going to inherit, but she didn't have a will. She's going to get a percentage of the estate. The other percentage is going to go to the kids. That percentage, though, is going to get locked up. And it's not going to be available for her to use. In case she needs it. Right. And to wow. pay for the expenses and things like that. So that's why typically you see things going to each other. Yeah. And then if something happens to both, then it goes in trust to the kids. Yeah. So you have to be careful. That's the big one. That's you the big one right there. Kids, yeah. You got to get that thing set up. Yeah. And that's why we did it. I mean, yep. you know, we kept talking about it. I mean, I know I talked to you about it for how long and, and it's one of those things you just procrastinate, yep. procrastinate. Yep. The other things come up in life and you just don't feel it's necessary. And then I remember we, we finally got to the point where we, her and I talked about it and it was, and it was like, all right, we, we have to get this yep. done. It's yep. not fair to our children right. to not have this figured out. Right. And that's, you know? and that's the thing. And it is, it is a difficult thing. It, you don't want to go to that place and think about what happens if mm-hmm. you're not here and the kids are and all right. that kind of stuff. So it's something you clearly want to avoid as much as, much yeah, as you can. That's normal. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, and then a lot of people think, Oh, if, if I'm going to go in and see the lawyer about this, um, you know, there's going to be this big complicated plan and it's going to cost yeah. them thousands of dollars. And that's not the case either. Um, you know, well-drafted um, wills, living wills, powers yeah. of attorney, healthcare powers of attorney, you're, you're talking about hundreds of dollars. If you get into some complex planning because yeah. you have complex assets, sure, it's going to get a little bit more expensive, yeah. but it's going to get more expensive relative to the complexity. So, right, exactly. That's like anything. Yeah, of course. Sure. Sure. So, the, yeah, that was the part that was a little little scary for me is when we started talking about pulling the plug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. It's, it's the only way I know how to say it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know, yeah. my wife said something about if I had a sniffle, that was going to be it. That <laughs> right, she said right. she was pulling it. Right, like right, if I right. was even saying no, don't, no, don't. She, mm-hmm. Brian said, it's okay. This happens I sometimes. Him, yes, just pull good. it, that's right? Good. Yeah. yeah. He looks a little. <laughs> he looks a little. Runny nose. Go ahead. <laughs> I think he's done. It's I don't think go. he's going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not to make light, but that was some of the questions mm-hmm. that are in there. So be ready for that yeah. too. So you have three, typically three, three separate documents. You have your will. Your will. It does two things. Number one, it says, who's going to get my assets in the event I pass away? Yeah. Second thing it does, it says, who's the executor? Who's going to be in charge of my estate to run it? Right. Now, when you have younger children, you've got two other players in there. You've got a trustee to manage the money for the for the kids, and you have a guardian. Who, who's going to actually raise them? That guardian and trustee could be the same person, or sometimes right. people split that job, and they have two different people doing it. But that's the function of the will is to is to get the assets figured out where they're going to go. The second item is general power of attorney. Yes. Think of that as the financial thing. 
That's the one that says I can sign deeds. I could sign car titles, checks. I could go to the bank, do do the normal everyday life stuff for typically for my, and we did that. Yeah, Yeah, we did that. I remember that if one of them is disabled. Yep. And, um, and the, and the example of that is if, if your husband or wife became disabled and you wanted to put an addition on the first floor and put a master bedroom and a bath, but the house is in joint names. You need two signatures on that home equity. Absolutely. You can't get yeah. It. You're not getting it. If they're, if they're disabled. That's a so. good, that's a good example. Yeah. Really good example yeah. on yeah. why you need that. Mm-hmm. And, and the example that what happens next is if you don't have it, you file a petition for guardian and you have, you have to then have your spouse declared incompetent. That's not a pleasant thing you have no. to do. No. You got to go to court in order to have that happen. You got to get a doctor's opinion. Yep. You spend a lot of money and time and time. And you might not have that time. And then you're appointed guardian. Then you're going back to court to say, okay, judge, by the way, I'm the guardian, but now I want permission to uh, borrow money, encumber the house in order to do this. And and you're sitting there saying, why am I asking a judge? This is my house. Well, it is, but but it's also your spouse's. Absolutely. And that's why you're doing those things. So the power power of attorney, very important. Power of attorney gets that out of the way. Because while you're living, you need it. You need it in in case you become disabled. Right, exactly. And then the third one is, a healthcare power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney is a newer document, but what it allows you to do is make medical decisions for each other. If you were incapacitated, right? So you're unconscious and somebody needs to sign a consent for medical treatment or surgery or something. It allows you to do it for each other. And that's important along with that document. We typically combine with the living will living wills, the old document that's been around for a long time. It says, if I was ever in a permanent irreversible coma, so I got to be in a permanent irreversible coma. And if I am, yeah. you're saying, I don't want life sustaining treatment, gotcha. life saving treatment. We all get life saving treatment. Yeah, right. so I'm not working in the yard tonight. I have a heart attack. <laughs> I could be unconscious. We're not going to go up. Sorry. No. Yeah. We're not like, sorry about that. Brian. We got to talk to Barb yeah, about right, this. Right. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> no, I, I got you. It makes sense. Right. But bring me back. But, but that's life saving yeah, treatment. Yeah. We all get that. This is down the road. You've had maybe such a severe head injury or something like right. that. You're permanently unconscious. Then the question is, do you want life sustaining treatment, which would be ventilators, tube feeding, kidney dialysis, antibiotics, things like that. And most people say, no, I don't don't want that. The likelihood of needing that document though is really small because it's, it's a very discreet thing that has to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the likelihood of needing a power of attorneys, maybe 50, 50, of course, the likelihood of needing wills, a hundred percent, just a matter of that's that's good i like that that's a good one (laughs) you everybody needs a will at some point right i like that that's a good one i'll have to use that so um so that's that's true that's what you now the other aspects to this though too is we we typically send out a form and ask you to fill in a form we're not yes we're not trying to be nosy in terms of assets and things like that but what we want to know is what assets you have how they're held are they joint owned are they yeah. tenants in common? Yeah. They maybe buy a Good piece thing to of go real over. estate. Did they buy a piece of real estate before they were married? Or after. Or yeah, after. Right, right. And it's just the two names, but it was mm-hmm. before they were married. So that's presumed to be tenants in common as mm-hmm. opposed to tenants by the entirety. Yeah. And so we want to see those things and check them out, check the deeds, check how you have your accounts t- titled and things like that. Yeah. Because all those things need to match what you're saying in your will. Yes. And one of the things we run into quite a bit is with. So question here, sorry, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but what supersedes the will or the deed? The deed. 
Wow. Yeah, Interesting. Deed, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So when it when in competition, even though if the will was done after that, the, yep. the deed was done, the, yep. the deed actually supersedes. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if it's tenants in common, got it. Your will is going to control that that half of the piece is going to go where your will says. If it's if it if you changed it after you got married and put, you know, husband and wife, then of course it's yep. automatic. Yep. Otherwise you got to probate to transfer that asset. Yep. Um but, but we want to look at all those things, your 401ks, your IRAs, annuities, brokerage statements, so that we know these are the assets and here's how they're tied. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times you go, yeah, that asset's in joint names. I'm, I'm, I'm positive of it. You go to the broker, you pull it, and he goes, no, it's not in joint names. Why? Yeah. Well, because you opened that when you were single, before yep. you got married. But both of you have been dumping money in it and just never paid any attention to the fact that it was. Yeah. Or it's beneficiary designated. Brokers do a lot of beneficiary designation. They'll mm-hmm. say to you, yeah. who, who, you know, this account, you can just beneficiary designate it and it'll go right to the heirs you want. And you say, okay, that's a great idea. So I'll take that brokerage account, I'll beneficiary designate it to my wife. Mm-hmm. And then he'll say, who do you want as the second? Well, my kids. Oh, that's great. Except now it's not going into the trust for your kids. It's uh, out there. It's going right to the kids. Right to the kids. And two bad things happen there. Is there One, a tax implication um, or no? No, the tax no? will be okay. the same. Okay. But what'll happen is, one, the kids will get it, um, on, and they're under 18, so it'll get locked up in a restricted account of some gotcha. sort. And the second bad thing that'll happen is, the kids will get it when they're 18, which you That's may not say, good. Oh, <laughs> not good. I want my 18-year-old kid going, going to, to Hawaii. College, going off to college and having $450,000. Not a good bank. thing. No, not a good not thing. Not a good idea. Yeah, that, and then we talked about that. Mm-hmm. I remember we talked about that, too, was the whole, you know, making sure that the kids don't get all of it or don't get money too soon because right. next thing you know, they're 30 years old, they blew it all yep. and they have nothing to even show for it. That's exactly right. Yeah. They have a you know Corvette that's you know 10 yeah. years old or something, you well, know? Well, and that's one of the things we often say is assume if your kids, if your kid's a saver, they're a saver when they're 10, they'll be a saver when they're 30. Absolutely. That's how they're wired. Yeah, that's exactly and so right. So you could give them the money then yep. and they'll be fine. Assume your kids are spenders when you hmm. don't know. And then you look at the age you'd want to terminate that trust and say, well, if they spend it on something at this age, would I be happy? And typically, because this is real estate, it just happens to be the way I think about it. But typically when they get to an age when you'd say, well, if they spent the money on a house, yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. They got permanent assets sure. that they're going to be living, maybe mortgage free, yep. that kind of thing. You'd go, okay, yeah, I'm going to find if they spend it on that. Yeah. But as you say, the trip around the world, the two or three Corvettes, not good. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Not a good idea. Not right. good. So before we end the show, we're going to go a little uh, longer for the show because there's so much information here, and I really like it. I think it's going really well, so I want to keep going. So the next thing I want to talk about is the the trust situation. Just, you know, uh, we hear this a lot where parents will put their house in a trust yep. and and name one of their children uh, the trustee, I guess, mm-hmm. the receiver. Is that the receiver of the mm-hmm. trust, right? Um why do, why do we do that? What's the, the advantage and what are the, the downfalls of doing, if there is any? Yeah, to sort of demystify what a trust is. A trust is not a, uh, it doesn't solve all problems, it, right. know, things of that nature. But what it is, think of it as a, as a small business. So it's this little, almost like a little corporation. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you put assets into that little corporation, okay. which is a trust. You name, in effect, a CEO, which mm-hmm. is the trustee. Okay, this is making and more that sense. Person, that person <laughs> has the ability to, handle and dispose of the trust. And then you say, well, okay, but what, what law do I look to, to decide like in, in, if it's a corporation, we look Mm -hmm. to the business corporation law and say, can a CEO do this? Or does the board of directors do that? In the case of a trust, 
you look to the trust document itself and you say, okay. what powers did they give the trustee? Can he dispose of the property? Can he sell it? Can he add to it? Can, you know, what, what powers? So we look at that trust document and say, what powers did we give these people? So the hmm. idea of the trust is this, that, um, and one thing to keep in mind is that good estate planning and good Medicaid planning go like this. They bang together. Oh, interesting. They don't fit like a glove. They bang together. Right, so right. Everything we tell you to do that's great estate planning is often bad Medicaid planning. So one of the things people are trying to do is get assets out of their name because the five-year look-back period for medical assistance, if you don't have assets, if you have no assets in your name for a period of five years, you go to apply for medical assistance, you'll qualify immediately. So the question is, you know, do you do that? So one of the things people often do is they'll create a trust, put their home in the trust. Right. They get the house out of, you know, their names into this trust name. It's got to be irrevocable. Gotcha. You name a trustee, person in charge. And it may be the purpose of the trust is to provide a residence for my, my you know, my parents to live in. Sure. Hey, trustee, make sure you do that. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, the residents, your parents can pay the taxes, pay the insurance, pay the maintenance and upkeep, but the trust owns the asset. If it's been out for five years, by the time they apply for medical assistance, they don't have the issue in terms of having the house as accountable asset for, for medical assistance purposes. Now, what if they want to get a home equity loan, the parents, ah, then the trustee's going to have to do it. That's what I thought. See, that's the thing that, yep. so there are some, oh, yeah. there's some funky things in there. Yep. Yep. So, and, you, and you've given up control. You've given up control of the asset. Right, right. And there's some. Cap- so it's obviously you're doing it with somebody you trust. Yep, yep. <laughs> you're yep. not doing it with somebody at the grocery store. Oh, well, no, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And there's some capital gains tax issues. Okay. One of, one of the things. For who? who the, ah, yeah. Who's getting the capital gains tax? Well, that's interesting. So, so what happens is, and this is still, there's something called stepped up basis. And this is a huge thing in real estate where mom and dad bought the house over in Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. you know. 40 years ago, paid $22,000 for the house, right? <laughs> yeah. Today- They're going for 240, 250. 240, 250, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So a lot of times people will say, hey, why don't, I, you know, why don't I transfer my house to Brad's name? That way I won't have to pay inheritance tax when I pass away. When, when, when I pass away, yeah. he doesn't have to pay inheritance tax. And you go, yeah, that's a good idea. You'll save a 4.5% inheritance tax if you live one year from the date you transfer it to Brad. Okay, let's do that. Oh, but one other thing. If Brad's not going to live in that house and he's going to sell it after you pass away, he'll skip the four and a half percent inheritance tax. He's going to pick up capital gains tax, which is worse, way worse, way worse, (laughs) minimum 15% percent state. You're going to look at possibly an 18% tax on everything over than their original purchase. Because it's basically an investment. It's yeah, it's not, it's not your personal residency. No. No, oh, so that's a good one. Right, right. And so that's good but, stuff to know. But if you inherit the house, so you wait, mom and dad leave the house to you. You get a stepped up basis. Got you it. get a basis on the value on the date of death, which is going to be the sales price. Mm-hmm. So you sell it for two forty. you pay no capital gains tax. You pay four and a half percent inheritance tax and you're home free. That to me is a, yeah. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Right, right. Amazing. This was a great show. Good. I'm going to have to have you come back for more stuff. And <laughs> this is awesome. really good. There's so much information. Yeah, yeah there's tons more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I mean, you know what? That was well worth it. I mean, this, we went 22 minutes. We normally do 14 minutes oh, just sorry. so you know. Sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. This was just great. We're going to have you back just to go over other things too, because I'm sure there's work. much more to go over. Yep. Thanks so much, Brian. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Brad. Good seeing you. All right.
Are your kitchen and bathroom remodels a little overdue? Well, now's your chance to call First Response Contracting. John Sellers will take care of you. 484-256-7136. They do residential and commercial, and they're licensed and insured. Give them a call at 484-256-7136.